I don't believe I've ever felt before preaching a word uh, the presence of the Holy Spirit as strongly. Or the fact that God wants to do something amazing among us. Um, when we came to pray at 8 o'clock this morning, the whole prayer meeting, I just was weeping. Because the Holy Spirit was saying everything that he's asked me to say to you this morning. And uh, in the worship, Julie came up to me. Where are you, Julie? And she said to me, today you're going to experience the prophetic gift of the Holy Spirit as you preach in a way that you've never but done before. And I say that because I want to ask you to please listen to what the Spirit of God is saying this morning. It's got nothing to do with me. I really feel the Holy Spirit wants to tell us something and wants to do surgery on our hearts. As I was preparing, I had exactly the same image that Lon had of the Lord taking a scalpel and doing surgery in our hearts. So please open your hearts and your ears to what he's saying. If you have your Bibles, I'd ask you to please turn with me to the book of 1 John. And we're going to be in 1 John chapter 1 for most of our time this morning. And I'm going to start at verse 3. And uh, I'm reading, That which we have seen and heard, which was Jesus, that's what we've seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. And we're writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Um, Family, there is a life and a fellowship to be had with God and with our neighbors, with God, with Jesus, and with one another that will make our joy full. And that's what I believe God wants us to walk out with today, is a walk, a relationship, a fellowship with God and with each other that will make our joy complete and full. And I believe that there's something that God wants to restore to us as a people today. Something that we've had in the past, but that somehow the enemy has stolen from us and we didn't even realize it. Something that we've given up without knowing that we gave it up. God wants to restore a loving relationship with God the Father and Jesus and a close walk with Him. And God wants to restore a loving relationship and a walk with each other as well. And that will bring glory to God. And you know that the whole purpose and mission of the church is at stake in this. Jesus said in John 13, 34, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. 
you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. And church, if we want to see Cape Town come to Jesus, if we want to see the nations come to Jesus, a huge part of that is going to be what they see in us or don't see in us. It's by the love that we have for each other that the world will know that we are his disciples. And if we do a temperature check in our congregation, I think our walking with God is probably okay. But I think that maybe our walking with each other needs some work. And so I'm going to look at how do we better walk with God and how do we better walk with each other. So we're going to stay in 1 John chapter 1 for the whole preach. I'll touch on a couple of other things, but if we read from verse 5 together, and we'll just take it one verse at a time. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you. That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Jesus, Jesus. What's the next words? You make the darkness tremble. Your name is a light that the shadows can't deny. Do you think the Holy Spirit is saying something? That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. What is that light and darkness that we're talking about? The light means truth, integrity, openness, transparency, complete light. The darkness means lying, being false, pretending, acting Being two-faced, wearing one mask for people to see, but yet being something else on the inside. Again, John 8, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If we are to follow Jesus, if we're to believe in Jesus, we must be walking in the light of life that he is. Do you know that um, my wife said to me yesterday, I've been thinking about, you know, the Bible says God is light. I thought, oh, this is funny, given what I'm going to be preaching on. Carry on. And she said, did you know, I, was, I just did, did some research, and that without light, there can be no life. Without the sunlight, there would be no life on earth. The light from the sun creates or generates or supports, sustains life. And without the light of Christ in our lives, there will be no life. There will be no relationship with God and there will be no relationship with each other. 1 John chapter 2, verse 9 to 11 says the following. Whoever says he's in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there's no cause for stumbling. 
But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness. And he doesn't know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. You see, the light is more than just honesty. It's more than just living a transparent, open life. Actually, it's also about love and hate. See, it says, whoever hates his brother is in the darkness. But whoever loves his brother abides in the light. So it's not just about being honest with each other. It's about do we love each other? If we love each other, then we walk in the light. If we harbor things in our hearts against each other, then we are blinded. We are not in the light. We don't know where we're going. We are aimless and we are dangerous and we can be a cause for other people to stumble as a result. I went for the first time with my family to go and see the castle in Cape Town. I don't know if you've ever been to see that. We went just a, a, a couple of weeks ago for the first time. And as part of it, we, we went on this tour around the castle, and they take you into the ammunition room. I don't know if any of you have ever done that. Okay? Um, some people thought this was the torture room, but it, it actually it wasn't. It was the ammunition room. And, they th- and, and, and this room has no windows There's no access point except a very, very thick door. It's a smallish room. And the whole tour came in there. There was probably, I don't know, 20 people on the tour. And we all walked in there. And uh, uh, the guide said, what I'm going to do, and and on the walls there are electric lights, but they weren't electric lights before. And the reason that there's no windows in the room is because it was the ammunition room. They didn't want anything, anyone to be able to get in there or any water to be able to get in there and dampen the powder and stuff like that. And so it's completely sealed room. And he said, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to close the door and switch off the light and I'm going to come back tomorrow. And he closed the door and he switched off the light. And I can tell you, we were all looking at each other and stuff like that. And when he switched off the light, there was no light in the room at all. And I literally could not see my hand if I looked like this. I was completely blinded. You could hear people kind of starting to shuffle around and the kids were kind of grabbing your leg. And, you know, it was scary in there. It was completely dark. And this is what the Bible says is if we are not living in the light of Christ, then we become a cause of stumbling to each other because we're blinded. We can't see where we're going. And we cause each other to stumble. Leviticus chapter 19. I always love to preach out of Leviticus. That was a joke. Verse 11 says, it starts with you shall not steal, but this is the, this is the bit. You shall not deal falsely. You shall not lie to one another. You shall not swear by my name falsely and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people. And you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart. But you shall reason frankly with your neighbor. Lest you incur sin because of him. 
You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. You see, God wants us to deal openly and honestly and frankly with one another. Politeness is not an excuse for speaking falsely. God says you shall not be a slanderer. You shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. Do you know that when you say something to somebody else about your neighbor, that you are interfering with their life? You're standing up against the life of your neighbor. You shall not put a stumbling block before your neighbor. You shall not hate them in your heart. You shall not be offended by them. But you shall reason with your neighbor frankly, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall speak honestly, openly, and lovingly confront your neighbor, lest you bear a grudge and you sin. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the Bible describes what it means for us to love one another. And from verse 4 to 7, it says this, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never fails. See, love rejoices in the truth. Love walks in the light one with another. And the Bible says we should love each other. Love doesn't get offended. Luke chapter 10, Jesus was approached by a lawyer. This is somebody who knew the law. And he asked this question. It says, and behold, uh, Chapter 10, verse 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Please listen to the question. Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Can I say the question differently for you? Lord Jesus, what must I do to be saved? What must I do if I want to go to heaven? What's the answer? He said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this. And you will live. 
um, family, this is a matter of eternal life to us. Walking in the light, loving God and loving our neighbors is eternal life for us. You say, Lucas, that's a bit heavy. Okay, let's go back to 1 John chapter 1. And let's read now from verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So, can I ask you, how many of you would say you, you, you know God, you're in a relationship with God? Great. If you say that you have fellowship with God, but you walk in darkness, you lie and you don't practice the truth. We cannot walk with God and remain in the darkness, either with him or with our neighbor. If there's sin in our lives and we, we have gotten our conscience comfortable with it and we continue sinning, we are walking in the darkness before God. That means we are not in fellowship with him. That means we are not his. If we hold something in our lives against our neighbor, and it's not dealt with, then we are walking in darkness with our neighbor. And we are not in fellowship either with our neighbor or with God. It says we are lying. We are not practicing truth. Did you know that truth needs to be practiced? We need to work out truth in our lives. In this world, it's so easy just to compromise, to conform, to harbor little white lies, little gossip, little slander, to put on a front for people, to put on a mask, to be civil, to be polite, but inside to harbor resentments and hurts towards other people that are undealt with. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is coming to us this morning and he's saying, church, you need to walk in the light. 1 John chapter 1 verse 7, the next verse. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. You see, here it says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, in the same way as he is in the light. It's a quality statement. In the same way. So God, it says, is, is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we walk in the light in the same way as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with him and with one another. And what happens? What's the result of walking in the light with each other and with God like that? It says the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. What are the results? True fellowship and relationship, forgiveness, cleansing, and washing of all of our sins. 
Verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. You see, this is about the truth. It's objective. It's not subjective. We all sin. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all miss the mark. What a wonderful example. Thank you so much to the lady who came up to me this morning. Because I didn't even know I had sinned. But when she said it, my heart, oh, yes, you're right. I shouldn't have spoken that way. I shouldn't have used those words. We all sin. It's not that some of us are sitting here and we don't have sin. Okay, that doesn't apply to me. It applies to all of us. We all miss the mark sometimes. And the key to this is we should not be defensive. Because what are we defending? If somebody comes to me and I'm walking around with this. I'm going to try, but it's all tangled in sin. I can't get it. Let's say I'm walking around with this thing. And somebody comes to me and says, hey, Lucas, you're walking around with a mic stand. I'm like, no, I'm not. And every time I go to give somebody a hug, they get hurt. If somebody says, Lucas, you're holding a mic stand. I mustn't be defensive of my mic stand. I must say, am I holding a mic stand? I'm sorry, I was holding a mic stand. And put the mic stand down. We should be open and listen and repent when we are confronted by our sin. It's there. It just is. So, and not only should we, but if we see somebody walking around like this, we should go to them and say, "Uh, Lucas, I think you've got a mic stand in your hand. Like that lady did to me this morning. Gently. Lucas, can I just say, I just feel like, you know, we shouldn't speak about our kids. Thank you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, and then I'm going to read a little bit further down. Starts by saying, rather, speak the truth in love. Sorry, it doesn't say that. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ And it talks about how we are a body. We are the body of Christ. And we are members, each one of the other. JP, I need to use you as an example. Please come here quickly. Okay, yeah, come, come, come up here. Okay, so, so JP is my friend. He's my brother. He's in Christ. We are members of the body of Christ together, okay? And we are members also of each other. This is why it's so important. Because we're not separate. I can't do this Christian thing like this. 
I'm offended with him, but I'm still in Christ. And he's kind of, you know, it's like saying, I'm offended by my knee. I'm going to just cut off that and put it over there. We, we can't do that with each other. We are members of each other. And so if we see one another holding mic stands, hold the mic stand. See, you can do it better than me. Okay, put it here. Okay. So if we see each other holding the uh, mic stand, we can't just ignore it. We can't just say, he's a mic stand kind of guy. We have to say, speaking the truth in love. JP, mic stand, put it down, mate. Yeah, yeah, this is better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> thanks, thanks. Oh, okay. Rather speaking in the truth, we are to grow up in, to, in every way into him who is the head into Christ. And then it goes on later and it says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. That means we're going to do things that are going to make each other angry. It's just, that's how it's going to be. Because we're fallible. We're human. We sin against one another. Right? And you can be angry, but don't sin. You've got until the sun goes down. You've got less than 12 hours to go and talk to your neighbor about it. You will get hurt. And if you are hurt, you go to your neighbor and you tell him, you have hurt me. And you might be right and you might be wrong. It doesn't matter. You've spoken the truth in love. Somebody came up to me after the service last week and said, what you said hurt me. And you know what? It doesn't matter whether I was right or whether they were right. They were hurt. It's the truth. And we reconciled. I said, I'm so sorry if what I said hurt you. Can you understand that? That's living in the light. Let's see what else it says. Continue. It says, give no opportunity to the devil. Um, were any of you around when Andrew was talking about his cat? He's got a cat called Delphi. It's a nice little black cat. And it's really, you know, chills in the sunlight and whatever. But as soon as it hears a bird, it turns from nice little cat into panther. Hunting machine, right? And it, it wants to kill that thing. And that's what the devil is like. The Bible says he prowls around like a roaring lion, seeing who he might devour. And the Bible here says, give no opportunity to the devil. Because the devil is looking for hurt in you. He's looking because he wants to devour you and the person who hurt you. And the Bible says, give no opportunity to the devil. You need to stop him in his tracks. You need to go directly to the person. Speak to them. Be reconciled to your brother. Let's 
Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Do you know, when, when we approach each other, Cliff, let's say Cliff parks in my parking bay. I'm offended. It's a bad example. I wouldn't be offended. Um, Give me an example. What does he do? He doesn't greet me. I walk in on Sunday morning. I mean, Cliff is there. I'm the most important person here. When I arrive, I don't get greeted. I get offended. And so I say, there's a way. It says, as fits the occasion. So I don't get come to Cliff and I say, hey, Cliff, um, I just need to call the elders together. Uh, we need to have a meeting. About, I just need to say, hey, Cliff, did you notice me? Or something along those lines. It's a bad example, but can you see? I need to speak to him as the occasion fits. He hasn't stolen something of mine. He hasn't whatever. I need to just be gentle. And I, but I need to speak the truth because I got hurt because he didn't greet me. Do you understand? And then it says, and we need to give grace to each other. What does it say? That it may give grace to those who hear. And it says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. If we don't do this, church, we grieve the Holy Spirit. Why, when I go and I have my quiet time, do I not feel the presence of God? Why am I struggling? Why, why am I not hearing God? Why, why has my peace left me? Maybe we've grieved the Holy Spirit because we're not walking in the light with each other. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Let's continue in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if we say we've not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. You see, the Bible says we need to confess our sins. Practically, we need to say, I've, oh, I'm sorry, I see it. I, I, I said wrong. I did wrong. We just confess. Do you know what confess means? Confess means agree with the person who confronted you and say it. I'm, I, I, I confess. I've done it. And if we do, Jesus will forgive us. We will be cleansed. But alternatively, if we don't confess it, I didn't do that. No, but, you know, you're always telling me about what I'm doing wrong. But what about you? What about how do you? And if we respond and we're defensive like that, then it says we make him a liar. His word is not in us. We're nearly finished. You know, it's amazing how the Bible is full of examples of the fathers of the faith. In complete openness and transparency about the sin in their lives. 
Abraham walked with God. And he was so scared of a particular king, he lied about his wife. He said, this is my sister. And he let her go and be with him. Noah. I mean, the righteous man, the whole flood. He got drunk and he fell asleep with none of his clothes on. David, the man after God's own heart, lusted after somebody else's wife, slept with her, murdered the husband. I mean, one day, everything that we do will be known. What a scary thought. That's why I think in the very next verse, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, it says, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Because everyone's going to know. And God knows already. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. And not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. Do you know Jesus Christ, the righteous? What does propitiation mean? Propitiation means he's the payment. He's the reconciliation with God. He's the mitigation. He's the reason that we can be forgiven. Um, please forgive me, but I just want to bring one more very heavy thought. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. Jesus speaking. And he says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, Neither will your father forgive your trespasses. You see, um, what, what is the benefit of what I'm saying here? If we do this, then there will be nothing outstanding between us and God. There will be nothing outstanding between us and our neighbors. We can be a people who never again have to wonder whether there's something between us. You know, this is something that I love about Andrew. I've been working with him for eight, nine months now. And I can tell you, if there's ever anything that I have done wrong, he will tell me, immediately like I'll arrive hey Andrew we going to the meeting he's like yeah but listen I need to talk to you about something like when, when I arrived here hey Andrew I'm so excited I've moved my whole family whatever he said oh, that's great but I just want to tell you something you're fat I'm like what he says yeah you eat too much sugar you need to fix it what was my no he didn't say it like that that's unfair. He didn't say it like that. He said it gently. Hey, mate, you're really fat. <laughs> I had two, two options. 
I could get offended and defend my fat. Or I could confess. I'm Lucas. I'm a sugar, I'm a sugarholic. I do no exercise. And I'm probably going to die young. And, and if we can do that, if we can live so openly with each other, then, you know, I know when I see him, uh, uh, like, hey, Andrew, he's like, Lucas, how's it? I know there's nothing. If there was something, if there were, I would know. And that's how we have to be with each other. If there's something, I'll tell you. Otherwise, you can be completely relaxed. I love you. And I think we've lost something of that. And I think we have to have it back. I'm going to finish by reading a chapter out of Matthew. Matthew chapter 18. And I know you all want to go and have lunch. But uh, this is how we practically do what we've heard. Matthew chapter 18 from verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. This is the process, and church, please listen to this bit. This is the process that we must follow if anyone sins against us, hurts us, causes us pain. Step number one, go to him and tell him his fault between you and him alone. So JP has hurt me. I don't go to Cliff and say, hey, Cliff, can I just tell you about what JP did to me? No, 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 no. Now I'm sinning. I go to JP. Hey, JP, you didn't greet me this morning. What does that do? No one else is involved. No other people are becoming corrupted by the sin of not greeting me. I was hurt, him and I, and it says if he listens to me, he's like, oh, Lucas, I didn't even see you. I'm so sorry. Hi. How are you? Uh, What does it say? I've won my brother. We're reconciled. It's gone. The devil came for a bite and he got nothing. But the Bible says, if I go to him. So I've done step one. I go to him. If he doesn't listen to me. Lucas, what are you talking about? Why should I greet you? Get out of here. Okay, now, I didn't win my brother. He didn't listen to me. Now, what do I do? Now I go and I tell everybody, JP is an ungreeter. No, I don't. I don't do that. I get one or two others. I say, Cliff, come with me. Come with me. And, and we go together. And I don't say, hey, Cliff, I need to tell you what JP's been doing to me. No, I don't even tell him what it is. I just say, come with me. JP, the three of us need to talk. Remember I said to you, you didn't greet me, you didn't hear me. These guys are now witnesses to our conversation. Please, would you greet me? 
he's got two options. He can either listen to everybody and then we've won our brother and then we move on. Or he chooses not to listen. Now, we move to step three. Are you with me, guys? This is super important. This is what's going to keep us walking in the light. So we move to step three. Step three is, he didn't listen to us together, okay? He's obstinate. He is not going to greet me. Right? Then it says, tell the church. In our context, what does that mean? It means, tell the elders of the church. And the elders of the church can come to him and say, hey, JP, man. Why aren't you greeting Lucas? And he's got his third opportunity to see his fault. Are you with me, guys? And if he says, I will not greet Lucas come hell or high water, he defends his mic stand. In fact, he picks up one or two other mic stands. Hmm? Then... What does it say? Then it says, you must treat him as though he were not a believer. Now that's serious. That's putting somebody out of the church. That's the process that we have to follow. And now I'm going to finish with a story. And then we're going to do some heart surgery. In fact, we're not going to do it. The Holy Spirit's going to do it. But in Matthew 18... A little bit later, Peter comes up to Jesus and he says, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Do we have any serial sinners? Do you have people that have hurt you more than once? It's a good question. How many times? Do I have to bear with this? Love bears all things. Jesus says to him, I do not say seven times, but 77 times. Jesus didn't mean you, uh, 11 times that. No, no, no. He was just saying, you said seven. As, as many times as is needed. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? 
And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. That's a bit heavy. If you're struggling to forgive somebody, just remember how much you've been forgiven. Then it's easy.